Ladies and gentlemen, this is America's Healthcare Advocate. Broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Your guide to protecting your personal health. Bringing you simplified answers to the complex questions surrounding healthcare. Everything from cancer to liver transplants. Nutrition. Exercise. My yoga and Pilates instructor, Dana Goodale. Mental health and even pet care. Dr. Wayne Hunthausen, Westwood Animal Hospital. Empowering you to take control of your health and wellness. My very special guest today, Grace Marie Turner, president of the Galen Institute. Welcome back, Grace Marie. Well, Carrie, it's a pleasure to be with you. And I do have to say, you are the most knowledgeable about health policy. Just superlative. And now, ladies and gentlemen. Gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. And now, America's healthcare advocate, Carrie Hall. Hello, America. Welcome to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA. Here on the HIA Radio Network, our producer today, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This is your show, America. Thank you for joining us and making us one of the most listened to talk shows throughout the United States. 286 affiliates, our newest one, WLEA, AM and FM 106.9, Elmira Corning, New York. We want to thank Brian O'Neill, the program director for putting us on, and the good folks over at Radio America, our syndicator for the great job they do. If you want to uh, find out more about the broadcast or listen to one of the shows, you can go up to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. You can also follow me on Facebook at America's Healthcare Advocate. All the shows are on the podcast platforms, TuneIn, iTunes, SoundCloud, and Spreaker. So if you want to tell somebody about a broadcast or go back and listen to it, that's one of the ways you can do it. If you are having trouble with health insurance, need help with Medicare, individual health insurance, whatever the case may be, the lovely Joyce Thompson is available for you at 877-385-2224 at RPSBBDI. And Mr. Nate Tate can also help you if you're looking for group health insurance um, or individual health insurance. Nate is a great resource, very knowledgeable. You've heard him on this show several times. So once again, those folks are available at 877-385-2224, wherever you may be in the country. All right, today it's just me and you. That's right. This is one of my multi-topic cornucopia shows, as we call them. So here's what we're going to talk about today. Negative chatter in our heads. I call it monkey brain. We're going to talk about that. Exercise is therapy. You hear me talk a lot about exercise. How about this one? An onion a day keeps the doctor away. I bet you didn't know that, huh? Okay. How about herd immunity? You've heard me talk about that on several of the shows and where we're at with that and how soon we're going to get there. Tips for traveling smart in 2021. We're going to talk about Mr. Xavier Bracero, the HHS uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, his stance on a number of things, including nonprofits, partial birth abortion, Medicare for all, and some of his other rather interesting views. And we're going to talk about tax changes that aid in life insurance, if you're looking at life insurance, and why you cannot find pricing for medical procedures online, one of my pet peeves. So we're going to have a pretty interesting show today. Welcome to all of you. So let's start out with this negative chatter thing. Now, look, this is something I have problems with, and I'm sure a lot of you do. You know, people who control their self-talk, this is out of the Wall Street Journal. It's a pretty interesting article. People who control their self-talk in this manner have better mental health, more life satisfaction, and even fun- better functioning hearts, research shows. Ethan Cross, 
an experimental psychologist and neuroscientist who specializes in emotional regulation, has a new book out called Chatter, The Voice in Your Head, Why It Matters and How to Harness It. Can self-talk sabotage us, make our problems worse, can cloud our ability to think and perform well? You know what? This is an issue. I know that I deal with this, and my wife will oftentimes tell me, you worry too much, okay? But I find myself doing it at night. Um, you know, negative self-chatter, my cardiologist, Dr. Tracy Stevens, who's been a guest on this show, calls it monkey brain. And I think that's a pretty good description. Um, it is detrimental. It can be a problem. And I have to back up sometimes and say, just stop and look at all the things around me that are happening that are positive and good and quit focusing on this other stuff over here that's inconsequential to start with. You know, <laughs> worry doesn't do any good. It doesn't change anything. So I thought this was very interesting. Tough times make chatter worse, bad things happening around us that we can't control, so we try to control them in our head. Well, that's part of the problem. You can't control them in your head, all right? So can others make it worse? Sometimes, but not always. You know, you got to be careful who you listen to, uh, and they should be there to give helpful advice and perspective, not event session. So that, that's a better way to do it. Um, how do you broaden your perspective? Think about people who've experienced similar things and how they've endured it. And if you give it, if you give others better advice than we give ourselves, pretend to be something you're not and give yourself some advice. Now, here's something else that I do. Create some space in order to compensate for the lack of order in your head. Clean a room, take a walk, etc. You know what works really well for me? If I'm having one of those days, like I was having earlier this week, and I get into the gym and I start working out, by the time I'm done and I've done my yoga and Pilates, I feel pretty good. So exercise does make a difference. That's That really is... Um, Kind of interesting. That leads into our next topic, which is exercise as therapy. This comes out of the Epic Times. Research has shown exercise an effective treatment for 26 different chronic conditions, including osteoarthritis, depression, type 2 diabetes, depression, heart failure, isometric heart disease, chronic obstruction, and pulmonary disease. Look at that. I mean, that's not all 26, but you've got a pretty good run there. And you've heard Dr. Stevens on this broadcast, the cardiologist from St. Luke's Mid-America Health Institute, talk about if you just did two of the six things you're supposed to do, you can reduce your risk of heart attack by 93%. Exercise is critical. Research shows that exercise could, could be potentially prevent 35% of chronic conditions from developing thanks to its overall effects on health, such as lowering blood pressure, improving joint health, and cognitive function. Improved results over 12 weeks of exercising two to three times a week. And I go three times a week. That's my goal. 23 studies in adults 50 to 80 years old, starting with low-intensity workout and moving up to higher intensity. The exercise includes aquatic strength training, aerobic, tai chi, etc., etc. According to their results, these people with depression were less depressed after exercise therapy, and they suggest for those with severe depression, they could benefit highly from it. So aside from helping you with the disease issues that I talked about, heart disease, stroke, you know, diabetes, all the rest of it, if you are, you know, depression issue, this also plays a role there. Lower risk of negative effects compared to pharmacological treatments. What does that mean? 
It means we have a pill for everything in this country, people. And sometimes we take too damn many pills. You don't necessarily need a Prozac, okay? Maybe what you need is to get out and do some exercise. Go for a walk. Start lo- Look, the, you don't have to run a marathon or a 10K, but start doing exercise and start getting out and see what it does for you. When I come out of that gym, I feel pretty good. I've gotten rid of a lot of the stress or whatever that's going through my head that day because I've exercised and it works really well. Those taking part in this walked an average of 43 meters or six minutes or more uh, without exercise interventions. This improvement suggests exercise is important for the patients to reduce their disabilities. There you have it, okay? Something really simple that everybody can do. You know, take responsibility for yourself and make a difference. Here's one you'll find humorous. An onion a day can keep the doctor away. This also came out of the Epic Times. The outer layer of onions have been providing, have been proving to be absolutely amazing, ranging from prevention of diseases like cancer to producing high levels of antioxidants. Flavoids, polyphenols play a role in preventing diseases, cancer, cardiovascular disease. Red onions have a higher level of flavonoids, polyphenols, and antioxidant activity and are higher that are higher in red onions than regular yellow onions. Onions are a member of the ileum family, which includes garlic, leeks, shallots, and chives, and some epidemiological, epidemiological, Lord have mercy, I can't get it right, studies have found a connection between eating large amounts of ileum vegetables and reduced risk of cancers, particularly in the gastrointestinal tract. Pretty interesting, huh? Uh, A study in uh, Asian Pacific Journal of Chronological Clinical Oncology showed 833 patients with colon colorectal cancer matched against an equal number with healthy controls. The adults who ate a high amount of allium family had a 79% lower risk of cancer. Pretty amazing stuff. I mean, you know, just something as simple. Red onions are delicious. I mean, whether you, whether I grill them sometimes, um, you know, put them up in salads, um, you know, however you like to eat them. I like to, you know, take the whole thing, put it on on the grill, and you know, the natural sugars come out of it, and it actually turns out to be a wonderful thing to eat. Those vegetables can make a big difference. It's really funny. You may not know this, but the Egyptians actually worship the onion as a minor god. So there you have it. An onion a day could keep the doctor away. They can make a big difference, especially um, in the antioxidant family. So a combination of that with vitamin C has a tremendous effect um, on on your immune system. And here's another one you'll find interesting it can actually help you prevent COVID-19. Now, I did not know that. That was news to me. I know that elevated uh, intake of vitamin D uh, helps fight uh, COVID, and, and we've elevated ours and are taking it, but I was very surprised to see this, that though that family of vegetables, onions, others in that area, in that family, could garlic, leeks, shallots and chives could also make a big difference. Pretty interesting stuff. All right. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about herd immunity. When are we going to get there? What's it going to take to get there? And how important is it? You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network, coast to coast across the USA. Again, if you want to know more about us, the website is americashealthcareadvocate.com. Some pretty interesting videos up there if you want to take a look at them. Stay tuned. We'll be right back with more.
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIA Radio Network. You can find out more about us by going to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. By the way, folks, you know, I've talked a lot about triology. It's a great product. I use the hand sanitizer. It's hand sanitizer, face and mouth. It's all natural, kills COVID-19 on contact. But, you know, here's another thing about that the products at Triology. If you got oral health issues, if you've got bad breath, if you've got gum disease, periodontal issues, this stuff is amazing. I use the mouthwash, I use the toothpaste, um, and they have a great dry mouth formula I use at night before I go to bed, and it works phenomenally well. It's a lot better than biotin, I'll tell you that. You can find out more about them by calling 1-800-306-3041 if you want to order. I know some of you said we didn't give out the phone number when we did the shows. I'm giving it out now. one 800 306-3041. And you can order it on Amazon under Triology Rents. So that's another place you can go get it off of Amazon, Triology Rents, or the website triologycare.com. Great products, all natural, 100% organic. They have three patents. The stuff really works. So, and now we're going to talk about herd immunity. All right, why is this important? Okay, you've, you've heard me do these shows on COVID-19, the vaccines and all the rest. You heard Dr. Marianne Jackson, a nationally recognized expert, say how critical this herd immunity thing is because without it, we're not going to get to a point where we're not transmitting this virus and it's not mutating. So herd immunity is really important. So doctor, this comes out of the Wall Street Journal. Dr. Markey, a professor at John Hopkins School of Medicine and Bloomberg School of Public Health, uh, the author of The Price We Pay, suggests that we will have taken natural immunity for granted, underestimated the power is it, it is really, it really has against COVID-19. The antibody studies almost certainly underestimate natural immunity. That's true. Keep that in mind that once you have the, the, the vaccine, your body becomes immune to this and it stops mutating and you don't spread it. So it's a big deal. Cases are down 77%, which is great. Testing only captured 10 to 25% of the infections and many low-income Americans weren't getting tested, so they didn't even know they had it. According to former Food and Drug Administration Scott Gottlieb, 250 million doses have been administered. Actually, it's over 350 million now. It's amazing. We're doing 4 million a day in this country. That's pretty amazing when you think about it. So it, it is really quite wonderful. But here's the key to this thing. T-cells develop memory. Once they've been infected, survivors of the 1918 Spanish flu were found in 2008, 90 years later, to have the memory T-cells. Are you getting that? Survivors of the flu from 1918 to in year 2008 were still able to, able to produce naturalizing antibodies to the Spanish flu. If that doesn't tell you everything you need to know about why getting this immunization is important, I don't know what does. It reinforces reinfections from COVID have been less than 1% and those have been mild. So it's really important <clears throat> that we get the vaccine we get to herd immunity and people understand why this is going to work and it is going to work. And stop listening to all the garbage on social media. You heard Dr. Marianne Jackson on here talk about, she actually read you some of these tweets at the University of Pittsburgh, did a study on, they're being trolled out there by Russian bots, okay? That's what they're doing, okay? So understand how important this is. And you know what? If we keep going down the path we're going, we'll be at herd immunity probably by May or June, the way things are looking. 
things. So they're working very, very well. The vaccines are wonderful. Um, I've been vaccinated. My wife's been vaccinated. Almost all of my friends have been vaccinated. And uh, some mild side effects. I had a sore arm uh, for the first one. The second one, Pfizer, uh, that we took both shots, um, we had no side effects. So, uh, And I'm very happy to say that I get to go visit my granddaughter now in Washington State, who I've never seen because of COVID-19, but I'm vaccinated now, so I'm safe. All right, some tips for traveling since we're talking about me going to Washington. People are looking to get their lives back in order after the COVID-19 pandemic. And a study by home rental firm BRBO found 82% of customers are already making plans to travel. I have to tell you a story, okay? I went to Las Vegas here a couple of weeks ago to pick up my motorhome and my business partner, Steve Sanborn, went with me and he's driving it back, right? That Southwest Airlines plane was full. There were no seats available, both going and coming. So it is remarkable to me how fast people are coming back uh, and they are traveling. People are eager to travel and have already booked trips for the next half year and a half uh, as prices are going up and people are getting more comfortable traveling. And a lot of that has to do with the vaccine. One thing I will tell you, if you're doing VRBO or or any of the other uh, sites, You need to check the terms of the refund and make sure you understand that because I went through this. We had rented a condominium in Orange County. Uh, We'd used it once. It was really nice on the golf course. We rented again. My wife got ill and we were not able to go. When I went to cancel, that owner refused to give us our refund. Now, we actually went to the VRBO people told them the situation, supplied them with a letter from the doctor. Even though she wouldn't release the money, they did. And we got the money back. But I will never rent again without reading that particular clause so I understand what's going on. They also suggest that you check health requirements. Look, some states right now, Texas and Florida, um, Alabama, don't even have a mask mandate. Okay, so what are, the, what are they requiring? Okay, that's important for you to know. Research your destination. Make sure everything at your destination is fully open. Uh, or negative COVID tests aren't required for any place or resort you visit. Now, they may be. And one of the things that I've done is I've taken the two cards that my wife and I have that show we're vaccinated, and I have uh, done those in plastic so that we're able to keep them and present them if we're asked about the COVID vaccine. So it's really important, okay? Um, Use loyalty points, more points available because of decreased business travels. Hotels or reservation are easier to find. Here's one thing that's not easy to find, and I thought that was fascinating. This was in the Wall Street Journal today. You better get your car booked before you book your plane and your hotel because there's an enormous shortage of rental cars. Here's why. Avis sold off 250,000 vehicles because of COVID-19. Hertz sold off over 300,000 vehicles. So there's a real shortage now of vehicles. So it's very interesting. If you're going to rent a car, you better get it rented right away. Go with the flow. Be flexible. Travel most likely take a little longer. There are not as many direct flights as there always have been. Have a backup plan. Mike McCormick, former executive travel director of of the Global Business Travel Association just having contact info in your phone for all travel providers. Yeah, you know what? That's um, pretty important stuff because um, you get stuck in an airport and you're gonna, you figure you know, maybe there's not going to be a flight out for two days or whatever. Well, the next, I've had this happen. I had it happen. We had uh, a series of tornadoes here a number of years ago and I was stuck in St. Louis and they had canceled all flights out of the airport in St. Louis. The first thing I did was I got on the phone with a rental car company and I got a car. 
and I drove back. Okay, So, you know, it's important to have that information when you travel. So if something does go wrong, um, you have an alternative and you know what you're going to do in case there is a problem. So you're not stuck someplace trying to get out of there and sitting there for two or three days where you don't want to be. So, all right, when we come back um, <clears throat> after the break, we're going to talk about Mr. Becerra. Um, the new head of health and human services. Um, I was sad to see him get that position because I think some of his positions are extremely radical. We're going to talk about that, and I'm going to talk about what he believes and what you can expect to see uh, with the changes in health and human services now that Mr. Xavier Bracera has been confirmed as Secretary of Health and Human Services. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate broadcasting here on the HI Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. If you want to learn more about us, or look at some of our videos and the podcasts, go to the website, americashealthcareadvocate.com. Stay tuned. I'll be back with more after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate Show, broadcasting coast to coast across the USA here on the HIU Radio Network. My producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Kerry Hall. Thank you for joining us today. This is one of our multi-topic. We're covering a lot of issues today. One of our multi-topic shows where we go through a whole series of uh, points and discussion topics that we're going to talk about today. Everything from onions to um, how to travel. So now we're going to talk about Mr. Xavier Becerra, who is confirmed as Secretary of Health and Human Services. Mr. Becerra was confirmed as the first Latino uh, of head of Health and Human Services uh, and Secretary on March 18th, 2021. The agency has a budget, listen to this, of $1.2 trillion and plays a key role in the federal response to COVID-19 relief, et cetera, et cetera. So, uh, funding rural hospitals, expansion of the Affordable Care Act, and other political decisions in health care. Note the word political decisions in health care. Republicans opposed Mr. Becerra because they said he lacked experience. That's right. He was the attorney general for the state of California. He was also a congressman prior to that. So he's never been in a role where he had anything to do with health care or health insurance and literally knows nothing about it, but he was appointed to this position. Makes you wonder, doesn't it? He lacked experience, was overly partisan, and supported putting the federal government in control of health care and expanding access to abortion. Considering Trump's former HHS secretaries, one had extensive career in biopharmaceutical, Alex Azar. The other was a physician, Tom Price. Uh, Republican Senator Tom Cotton says Becerra is a radical liberal with no real public experience besides enforcing California's disastrous lockdowns, and he was responsible for that. So let's talk a little bit. I don't do political on this show, okay? But I am going to talk to you about this because it's important to know, as I said, before. Elections have consequences. So there are going to be consequences with this. And I'm going to go through some of the beliefs of this guy so you can see what's coming down the pike because it's not pretty. First of all, Becerra is an advocate of the single-payer health insurance system um, and as far back as 1994 has supported universal health care. I'll quote him. This is his quote. For me, meaningful health care reforms mean we must have universal coverage. Universal coverage meaning coverage administered by the federal government. More recently, this looked like a plan to phase out all private health insurance providers into a government-run health care plan, plan rather, that is paid for by raising taxes, which was which was a plan laid out by Bernie Sanders in the Sanders bill. And Mr. Becerra has aggressively endorsed that. Now, 
you know, he, he can't make that decision by himself, okay? It's not going to happen overnight, but do understand what's going on here, okay? I've told you this before. The end goal here is to get to uh, national health care run by the federal government. That's something I certainly don't want to see, and I don't think most of you out there are going to want to see it when you find out uh, the consequences of having the government run health care. Think about it, okay? So we think they're going to run it. You know, as I say, with the compassion of the IRS and the efficiency of the post office, probably. That's pretty much what you can expect. And look at what happens in countries that have it. Look at Canada. Look at the U.K. And look at some of the issues they deal with. Look at the issues they've dealt with in Canada, in Germany, and France on the vaccine rollouts. What a disaster that has been. The EU, the whole thing. So government doesn't do these things well. We've got a great private health care system in this country. Um, and to get rid of it, to put in place a government system, really begs the question is why we would do that. Leading up to his confirmation, several ads airing in Georgia, New Hampshire, Washington, D.C., along the lines of Becerra supports Bernie Sanders' government taker, takeover of your health care. Well, that's true. While it is clear that Becerra has always supported single-payer health insurance, Biden has opposed Medicare for All. So President Biden has opposed it, and he's expanded ACA. Now, look. I told you what I think about the expansion of ACA. It's you know open now until August. Um, they've changed the supplements. They've made a lot of changes to it. I think those things were good, and I'll tell you why. I'm not a big fan of government-run programs, but I will tell you that based on what was going on with the pandemic and the number of people losing health insurance, opening that up so that people had health care was a very smart thing to do because in the long run, it's actually probably going to cost this country less. If people have access to health care, they don't get as sick as they do if they don't have access to health care. So there are certain things that I do agree with, but this overall takeover of government health care is not one of them, okay? And 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 that that in of itself is a huge issue. Joseph Antos, a healthcare scholar at the American Enterprise Institute says there's not really anything that Becerra can do to push any executive branch to a single-payer system. All he could really do is use the waiver process to loosen up various programs that the Trump administration tried to impose on states on the Medicaid program. But that's not the same thing as single-payer. Okay, so that's important. While Becerra wants to implement single payer, the proposed Medicare for all system would cost $32 trillion. Now, there's already there are already studies, okay, by the Medicare trustees, Social Security trustees that say we're going to run out of money as early as 2026 in some of these programs. So where are we going to get $32 trillion? Oh, and by the way, you know, we just passed a $1.9 trillion COVID relief bill. And now we're talking about another infrastructure bill that has very little to do with infrastructure, but nonetheless, we're talking, you know, this is a $32 trillion deal if it was go- if it goes through. The White House holds that they'll be working in cooperation with the president. The Heritage Action thinks that uh, he will use his government power to expand government's role in healthcare in any way he can, with the ultimate goal of a single-payer system, which is what I've been telling you. A little more about this guy. You know, the HHS works with nonprofits more than any other federal agency, and in Congress, Becerra has always been nothing but hostile to nonprofit institutions and donors that support them. He accused nonprofits of failing to donate funds equitably, and he is trying to use the tax code to redirect uh, charitable giving toward the causes that the left finds worthwhile. So, you know, look at a few of them. Look at Catholic Charities, an example. Um, 93% of the funds given go directly to care. 
whether it's for uh, food, housing, medical care, whatever the case may be. Look at the Salvation Army. I think their effective number is something like 96% of the dollars in actually turn around and go out to recipients that need help. So for him to say that they're failing to donate funds equitably, that's not really true, okay? You know, keep in mind who this guy is. In 2008, he supported ideas behind the California legislation that would have required foundations to support racial composition on their boards, staff, and most important grantees. The intent was to shame donors into shifting their con- their contributions to move them to other charities that they approved of. Becerra has disdained donor donor intent as a convenient excuse, but foundation money is private money and leaders of any foundation have a moral and even legal obligation to use the money as donors have requested, not as the government tells them. Okay. And why is that important? This is the same guy that sued little sisters of the poor. Okay. And pregnancy health centers for for not giving people access to, in other words, if they were counseling a young woman who was pregnant about how she could have that child and not have an abortion, he put in place a regulation in California that said you had to counsel them on abortion. Well, guess what? That didn't go over very well because the Supreme Court overturned it, all right? They voted against him on this, and it was overturned, and it, and therefore, that was kicked out. But this is this is a little bit about who this guy is, okay? And he, he again, he's not very friendly uh to causes that don't suit his political thoughts. As a congressman, Becerra voted against the federal ban on partial birth abortion, a procedure used in late pregnancy whereby a viable unborn child is partially delivered. I'm not even going to go into the description because it's vile. I'm not going to read that to you, okay? This is, you know, just not reasonable. And and I, I question to see what this guy is going to be like. I, I'm, I really wonder whether or not um, he is going to be an effective uh, director of health and human services and a cabinet member. It remains to be seen, but I'm not hopeful. Okay. Uh, and I was very surprised that he got confirmed. I really thought that there would be more of a fight to shut him down by Joe Manchin and some of the others more moderate uh, Democrats, but evidently that's not the case. So buckle your seatbelts because it's going to be interesting to watch and see what he does as time goes on. All right. There have been changes to the life insurance uh, tax rules. The revision of the tax code will likely boost sales of uh, life insurance. The law lowers the minimum interest rate used to determine whether a combination of savings and death benefit policies known as permanent life insurance are too much like investments to qualify for tax advantages granted insurance. So this is a good thing because it's going to allow people uh, to buy health insurance that that could be cheaper, and it's going to allow them this revision to reflect the economic realities and give consumers access to financial security via permanent life insurance policies. So what they're talking about here, uh, essentially are whole life policies and how they're going to work. And this is a good thing uh, that we can expect to see. So that that will be uh, in place shortly. The Joint Committee on Taxation Analysis showed that lower interest rate assumptions could reduce federal income tax revenue by $3.3 billion over 10 years. Um, so it is going to have an impact on the taxes. And 84, the tax code provided an assumption of a guaranteed 4% growth in cash value for policies. I can tell you the cash value policies work um, and they do make a lot of sense. All right, we're going to come back from the break with more. You're listening to America's Healthcare advocate broadcasting here on the HIA radio network coast to coast across the USA. 
Welcome back. You're listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIE Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. My producer, Mr. Oscar Monterosa. I'm your host, Carrie Hall. This segment of the show is brought to you by Triology Rents. If you want to find out where you can get it, it's on Amazon. Just go on Amazon and put in Triology Rents. They've got a whole line of products. They've got a toothpaste, a mouthwash, and a dry mouth formula I use all the time. Works well. Actually, I use all the products, and I'm really happy with them. They're all natural, 100% organic, and they hold three different patents. So it's a very different kind of oral health, and it really works. Their phone number, if you want to call them, 1-800-306-3041, 1-800-306-3041. The website, triologycare.com, triologycare.com. All right, let's talk about this. This is one of my pet peeves, and this is something President Trump put in place, but I've talked about this on other shows. The hospitals are fighting it like crazy um, and doing everything they can to obfuscate it. And what I'm talking about is price transparency. So this is out of the Wall Street Journal. I'm going to give you some examples here. And the article starts out, the title of it is, How Much Does a C-Section Cost? Can You Find Out? Well, the answer to that is kind of interesting, all right? When a woman gets a cesarean section at, say, Sutter's Health California Pacific Medical Center, the price can range from $6,241 to $60,548. Did you hear what I just said? $6,241 to $60,584 for the exact same procedure. For example, in a hospital in Modesto, California, a cardiac code, cardiac valve, and other major procedures, including catheterization, seven insurers pay the lowest negotiated rate for their Medicare plans at 89752 The next lowest for insurance offered to employees is 197000 the top price for this procedure is $515,697. Let me explain that. What they're telling you is the Medicare reimbursement, Medicare sets a reimbursement schedule for every procedure in this country. I don't care what it is. Get your tonsils out, uh, you know, have a, a drug-eluted stents put in because you've got blockage, um, have a knee replacement, have a, a, you know, whatever it is, okay? There's a whole series of CPT codes put together by the good people at Medicare. So Medicare reimburses for this particular procedure, cardiac valve and other major procedures, including catheterization, at 89752 Now comes the insurance carriers, okay? The insurance carriers negotiate with the hospitals. This is not a wrap on the carriers. This is a wrap on the hospitals, okay? So the hospitals charge between 197900 and $515,697 for exactly the same procedure at the hospitals that are in network procedures. Neil Brennan, chief executive of Healthcare Cost Institute, says it's a shining light on the insanity of U.S. healthcare pricing. What have I been saying, people, for years? Everybody wants to sit back and throw rocks at the insurance carrier. And I'm not uh, an apologist for the insurance industry, but I am going to shine a light on reality. The issue is not the damn carriers. The issue is the hospital systems. And I'm illustrating this right now by giving you this example. This is where the problem comes in, okay? It's, it's at the center of the affordability crisis in American healthcare. The Trump administration ruled effective in January that nearly all hospitals must make their prices public. The industry sued to block them. The American hospital system sued to block them, okay? But courts rejected the argument that their prices should be, under, should be kept under wraps. Despite this ruling, many hospitals still don't list their prices for procedures. Hospitals like Truman Medical Center, St. Luke's Hospital, North Kansas City Hospital have no price list 
listing whatsoever on what we can expect to pay for the price of a C-section or any other procedure. Negotiated prices between doctors and insurance providers increase revenue for doctors and have directly affected consumers. U.S. expenditures on private health care insurance have increased 50% over the past decade. Why is that? Because what people think, what you hear them say is, well, those insurance companies are making way too much money. Look, look at look at what's happening with them. Look how much more money they're getting. They're, the, the issue lies with the providers, people, and what the providers are charging. And if it was a fair system, if you, then, then you wouldn't, you'd have transparency. If you want to see how transparency works, go up on Oklahoma Surgical Center. Just go up there and take a look. Go up there and look and see what the cost of a knee replacement is. Go up there and look at any orthopedic procedure you, can, you want to see. It's all right there. And you will be shocked to see the cost for that procedure and what it's typically being charged by a hospital if you can find it because the hospitals are fighting this like crazy um, and they don't want this to be out there. They don't want people. It doesn't make any sense to you that you can shop for an automobile online. You can buy an automobile online. You can shop for a television. You can shop for any item you want online. Most of it on Amazon, except for the cars. Okay. But understand what I'm saying? We have transparency, price transparency in everything in this country, but we don't have that, okay? And hospitals know this. Hospitals instead set prices based on their own targets for overall margins and according to what the market will pay, said David Cutler, an economist from Harvard University who studies hospital spending. Under the federal transparency requirement, hospitals must publish rates they charge specific insurers for 300 common services considered shoppable. Easy for consumers to access are also required to offer pricing data on all their services online so that people can read them and understand the format. You know what? (laughs) Yeah. In closing, it's really simple. Okay. But unfortunately it's not simple. Okay. Because they're doing everything they can to obfuscate this. Here's another little trick that's been played. A lot of them now are, are, putting up websites that are so confusing using CPT code numbers and other things to confuse people so they don't know what they're looking for. So when you go up and try to look for a particular, let's say you go to Barnes-Jewish in St. Louis and you're looking for a particular procedure, you might have to go through 10 different protocols before you can actually find a thing if, in fact, you can actually find it. And that's part of the problem with this whole system. And I'm going to keep talking about this. I'm going to keep shining a light on it because the American consumer needs to understand where the problem lies. Okay, the problem lies, as, as, as I said earlier in this piece, in the insanity of this system. And when we talk about the American healthcare system is broken. Not really. Okay, what's broken is the way we pay for it. Okay, and the pricing. And the answer, most definitely, is not government health care. Because then you're going to see the quality of care go down and you're going to have your choices taken away from you and they're going to be dictated by the federal government. I said it earlier in the show. Okay, it'll be run with the compassion of the IRS and the efficiency of the post office. You might want to think about that because it's probably more true than you know. In closing, let me say, life is really simple, but we insist on making it complicated. That was said by Confucius. I thought that was kind of interesting. And now I leave you with this thought from Albert Einstein. The one who follows the crowd will usually get no further than the crowd. The one who walks alone is likely to find himself in places no one has ever been. Remember, friends, it's a funny thing about life. If you refuse to accept anything but the very best, you most often get it. Thank you for listening to America's Healthcare Advocate, broadcasting here on the HIA Radio Network, coast to coast across the USA. Goodbye, America. Goodbye, America.